Good morning, church. Let's stand. Let's worship our Lord this morning. Enjoy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. We will sing, sing, sing. Enjoy to the world. And we will sing, sing, sing. Enjoy to the world the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. Sign up. 
Well, good morning, church. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. We are going to continue our worship time, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for all that you have done for us this past year. We are joyful this morning to be in your presence. And Father, as we go into a new year, help us to focus on you more and more each day this year, Father. We can put our trust in you. We put our doubts. We lay down our burdens that you would take control of this new year and that we can be joyful. We can wake up every day and be joyful because we know we have you in our lives and you are guiding our path and you are holding us tight. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Well, good morning, guys. My name is Tess, and I'm going to be giving a little bit of a giving encouragement for you guys. And a couple of logistical things that I want to talk about first. It got really dark really quick. There we go. All right, first, if you need to make a charitable donation to Journey Church for your 2019 taxes, this is gonna be the last Sunday you are able to do that. Also, on the screens in a couple of minutes, there's going to be a new number that you can text for giving. So if you've been trying to give and texting the old number and it hasn't been working, that is because we changed the number. So it'll be up on the screens in a little bit. But first, I wanna tell a little story that happened about two months ago. Um, so I'm going to college right now, and one of my classes was spiritual disciplines, which is a really cool class to just take in college. And one of the assignments one week was the act of secrecy, which is basically for one week, you do things for people without them knowing that you do them, and you do it the entire week. And so this week I happened to be home here on a Sunday, and so I decided, I was like, okay, so what I'll do is I'll just grab whatever cash I have in my wallet, and it should be enough to cover everyone's coffee for that morning. So I went over to the collective, and I just was like, hey, here's some money. Um, just tell everyone their coffee's been paid for this morning, and we should be good to go. And then went about services as usual, and then around the end of second service, I head back there, and I'm trying to grab my stuff, and my friend calls me over. He's like, hey, do you want the rest of your money back? And instantly, I'm like, I should have given you enough to cover everybody, like, did you not use it? What's going on here? And he's like, oh no. So what happened was I paid for the first person with your money and then they decided that they wanted to pay for the next person and then it kept happening over and over again. So your money only ever covered one person that morning. So do you want the rest of your money back? And two thoughts popped in my head. One, no matter how much I want to, I can't take the money back. And I really wanted to in that moment. Number two, I was so, in awe and so grateful that like this is the church that I get to be a part of. That generosity is not just something that we talk about, not just something that we're like, we're like we should be generous guys, come on be generous. It's something that's in the DNA of Journey Church. It's something that we as a people have decided to embrace and we're like, we're gonna be a generous community. We're gonna be a generous church. And so I wanna take the time this morning to just thank you. That it's the end of 2019, it's the end of a decade and you guys have made 2019 one of the most generous years that we've ever had at Journey Church. That we've been able to put on events like the Foster Team Party. We've been able to volunteer at Night to Shine that we're gonna be doing again come February. We've been able to give constantly to programs like CareNet and Grace Resources. And we've just, every need that's come up in this community has been met by you guys. And Journey Church would not be who we are and we would not be able to be the generous church that we are without the people that you guys are. So thank you, thank you so much for just being who you guys are, for being generous and investing into the kingdom and knowing that that's an internal investment and no one can take that away from you. So as the ushers come forward, I'm gonna pray over the offering and then we're gonna get into announcements. So Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your generosity that just spills over into us. Thank you for just blessing our church so abundantly. And thank you for an amazing 2019. Thank you that there have been so many highs and so many lows and there have been so many moments um, of just gratefulness and so many moments of just deep sorrow. And thank you that you have been there through it all. Thank you that you have financially blessed us. Thank, the, 
I thank you that you financially blessed each and every person in this room, God, and I thank you for their hearts to give. I pray that you would just increase that all the more in this next year, that you would allow us to just give more and more and more, and that you would allow generosity to be a part of our DNA here at Journey Church. And in your precious and beautiful name we pray, amen. So as the buckets go around, I do have a couple of announcements. Um, that number is going to be the very bottom one right there, but also... Fifth and sixth graders, you are dismissed to go to your classroom and go have fun. And the first announcement is going to be, if I can get my phone open, oh, Christmas Eve. So was anyone here Christmas Eve? Who was here? It was an amazing service. We want to just thank you guys. First, we want to thank the worship team for their amazing set. We want to thank all the ushers, all the volunteers, every single person who came, helped out, all the decorations. Like... These didn't just get put up by little elves or like made of people. Like these were our volunteers here till two or three in the morning putting up these decorations. And we want to say thank you so much for just giving your time and resources and making Christmas Eve an amazing service. The second announcement is going to be Night to Shine. So Night to Shine is an event that we participated in last year and we have the privilege of participating in it again this year. So that's going to be February 7th and we do need volunteers for that. So if you would like to volunteer and register to volunteer, you can actually go to nighttoshine.com and you can register there and all the volunteer meetings are going to be mandatory. So it is a bit of a commitment, but if you are willing to, just head to that website and you can get all the information there. The, sec the actually third announcement is going to be Moms University. So Moms University is going to be Saturday, January 18th. It is a free complimentary, complimentary, that is a hard word, event. And childcare will be provided. It's gonna be here at Journey Church. So if you want to, you can go out to the hotspot, which is going to be out those double doors to your right. And you can grab a flyer right there and it'll have more information for you. And then also speaking of the hotspot, if you are new here and this is your first time here at Journey Church, thank you so much for joining us this morning for the last Sunday of the decade. We do have a little gift for you that's going to be out those double doors and to the side. I actually don't know what the gift is. They change it up on me every single time so I can't spoil it. But if you would like to head out there, just go right there after service. And then for everyone's either favorite part or your worst part of service, either way you're gonna do it. So stand up, greet somebody next to you as we prepare for the message.
Good morning, everybody. We're getting ready for a new year. Did you have a good Christmas? Two of you. <laughs> Rough days for Christmas. You should maybe cancel it for next year. This is, uh, this is the Sunday before the new year. And uh, I always get to preach because my dad doesn't want to. So <laughs> I, get, I get to take this one. Um, but it's, it's cool because this is the, the moment right before we kick off uh, a whole new year. New year equals new opportunity, right? If, you're, if it's a new opportunity for a new year, then it's a new opportunity for a better year. And uh, I love being able to, to sit and pray and kind of seek God on what, what he's wanted to, to do for a new year. We always kick off the new year with a fast, uh, a 21-day fast. I know some of you are terrified even hearing that. Um, but my dad will be talking about that in the weeks to come. You don't have to do anything except for celebrate as of right now. You get to eat all you want. Um, but we're, we're excited. We're going to end the Joy series today um, and spent a lot of time kind of thinking and praying through this after Christmas. Um, and, you know, I, it's so interesting how many noticed there was snow outside, how many feel like there's snow inside. It's, it's, it's so funny because yesterday I, uh, I was trying to just clear my head as I was prepping and so I decided to go on a hike and uh, take a walk through just the mountains behind our house in the snow and it was like the most incredible thing. I just walked in quiet and in silence by myself just kind of up and through and uh, you know hiking through in moments you know you walk through the snow and the snow all of a sudden is like up to your knee in, in certain parts because as I walked into a hole and and like trying to like navigate up a hill and starting to slide back down and all this stuff but I, I took a moment and I just sat and it was so cool to just be able to sit and watch the sun kind of set behind the mountains and it just reflect off of the snow and it was a moment of just utter awe a pure moment of joy unadulterated joy but I think it's so funny because, you know, get back to the house, prep my message, yada, 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 get up this morning, and the very thing that brought joy suddenly, you know, is quite a hindrance. I get up and uh, get ready to leave, decide to go. Uh, my car, I hadn't used my car since, since it had snowed, and, and so I go outside to, to turn my car on and to let it preheat before I left, so I went and make my coffee, but I come back out. And uh, the entire front of it is covered in snow, my entire windshield. So I'm like, awesome. So I start, you know, picking away at the snow because it's at this point ice. And, uh, and I'm kind of, you know, trying to uh, remove all the snow from my, from my windshield. And it gets stuck for a second. So I pull and the snow just comes straight up into my face and all down my shirt. And in that moment, I was like, this is going to be a morning. Not only that, but I realized that there was a car parked behind mine, so I, I had to navigate making these little, little tiny turns to get out and onto the ice and trying to navigate around it, get stuck. <laughs> so that's fun. But don't worry, I was able to get out without even having to get out of the car, make my way down, and, and I, you know, I start looking up and just seeing the mountains, and I'm like, man, this is still so beautiful. And then realized that I forgot my phone. I had to turn around all the way and come back to get my phone for the morning. Pick that up and start driving out. And midway down, all of a sudden, there's those, the digital 
billboards and all it said was what joy with exclamation points and I felt like God was just it was just this like sarcastic ironic moment you know as I'm getting ready to preach this message but I think it's so funny because so many times I think the very same thing that in one minute is this blessing and is this you know this moment that is awe-inspiring and and so life-giving can in the second instant be something that is so irritating and a hindrance and a frustration you know I imagine there's a lot of things in our lives, blessings and things that are like that. Um, falling in love. You fall in love and it's great, but then you deal with that person for the rest of your life. You get to wake up next to them and certain days you probably wake up not quite so sure that it's a blessing, that maybe God used that person as your punishment for all your past mistakes. You know, there's children, are a beautiful joy in a moment. You know, there's nothing more incredible than watching my, my nephew grow up and seeing uh, my, my brother and sister-in-law take care of their kid. And, uh, and it's so incredible, but I'm not sure that it feels like a blessing when you're awake with them in the middle of the night, all night long, and you're not quite sure what's going on there. Everything has the potential to be a blessing or to kind, of, to, to kind of be in our minds a curse, a feeling of a curse. It, it can depend on the moment. But I love this, this end of the season because the one thing that I look at that doesn't have that is the story of Jesus. And my dad has been talking about this idea of joy through the birth of Jesus. So I'm just going to to kick it off um, and jump straight into it. I want to knock out a big portion of this uh, story. So we're just going to read it real quick. It should be on the screens for you. But I want to just jump right in, um, because I think there's some cool things that God wants to, to kind of communicate to us today. Luke 2, 1 through 20 says this, at the time, at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a, a census should be taken through the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. She gave birth to her son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night... There, was, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I'll br I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Say that again. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by, his, by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies, in heaven, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, in the highest heaven, and, and peace on earth to those with whom his with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, 
Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that what, the shep- what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Now, how many of you have heard that story before? If you've ever been to a Christmas Eve service ever in your life, you've heard that story, guaranteed. If you've ever gone to church around Christmas time, you've probably heard that story. This is a story that for us is so familiar. Uh, we, we recognize it, we know it. Um, and as I kind of was praying through it, I, want, I, was, I was asking God to just kind of give me an idea of what joy looks like through this story. And the cool thing about this story is there's a couple things about it that I love. The first thing is that this is a moment in history, and I talk about it often, but I think for me as a concrete thinker, to have a historical moment of a baby being born who is Christ the Lord is the most incredible moment in history. It's, an, it's this powerful moment. It goes on, scripture goes on to, to showcase this huge uh, genealogy, this lineage. If you read your Bible, you probably skip that part a lot of times. But I, I mean, if you've ever been on Ancestry.com, it's really cool to be able to see how far, far, wow, how far back your line goes, your, your ancestors, your, your, the people that you belong to, they were able to take it all the way back to Adam. That's insane. That was incredibly cool on to David and on all the way through to the current to prove that Jesus was the Messiah promised to David, a, a man that would come and be the forever king. And uh, I love this. Because as I'm, as, as I'm thinking about how it translates to you and I today, because really none of this matters for you if it doesn't apply to our lives today, right? I mean, we sit in churches and we listen to messages and all of that's good and well, but there's real life that we're trying to live every day, right? I mean, hopefully if, if we're in church, we're, if our prayer, our hope is that there's something that we can take from a church service that we can apply to our lives. But more times than not, I think we struggle to know that application, more times than not, it doesn't translate. Our experience with God becomes a, a Sunday experience when we have the time to show up and when we can make it. No guilt, no shame there. We have busy lives. Church becomes an easy inconvenience to rest when we're, when we're so busy. Normally, there's a disconnect. I've recognized in my own life, and I think where this story plays in for me personally is there came a point in my life, growing up in church, my dad's been a pastor since I was born. I grew up raised in the church, had it force-fed, you know, in, in junior high and high school, having people ask me from the early of, earliest of ages, are you going to follow in your dad's footsteps? And in my heart... I used really ugly language, but I just responded kindly by saying, absolutely not. The joke was on me, obviously. <laughs> God always, you know, he's got such a sense of humor. It's hilarious, God. 
Um, but for me, there was this blaring discrepancy in my everyday life and what I said I believed. Consistently. I hit a point in, around uh, after college and around college age where I, I realized I was kind of just straddling the fence. And if you've ever straddled a fence before, it's really uncomfortable. But metaphorically, I was also straddling this fence. And, and it was really clear in my mind and in my heart that my life was like going in separate directions and it wasn't making any sense. I had gone to college and ended up going for theology and the whole time I'm looking at my life and, and realizing that it's not translating. I, I, would, I did church, I did church, I did the whole God thing when it was time and then outside of that, I, I dealt with things in my own way. I, God really had no part to play in my frustrations, my insecurities, the way I dealt with relationships, handled, there was this huge disconnect, this discrepancy. And I remember sitting in my car with God and I, and I just kind of was like, God, if you're there, if this is real, if, if this whole thing, like, if you're not real and this is all just, you know, a cosmic accident, then really, I need to just choose one way or the other. And if I'm going to go for it, I'm just going to go all out. I'm going to just party like a rock star. I'm going to go completely do whatever I want. Because really, what's the point in not doing whatever you want? If there's no purpose to life, being a good person to me is absolutely irrelevant. Right? If there's no purpose to life, then really, my only purpose is to have fun and do whatever I want that feels good in the moment. Ever, always. What happens to you is irrelevant. Because if we're just nothing anyways, you know, then it has no, it has no purpose. But, so I sat there and I sat with God and, and, and I remember it distinctly because it's been a crucial moment in my life up until to even today. I felt like God just clearly in my heart, it was just kind of this moment of like, yep, totally. But before you take those steps, you may want to figure out what to do with Jesus. Because if you're just thinking about God, it's like, oh, well, we can construct a God. We can make a God up. We can kind of, if we really think about it hard enough, we can see what we want to see. So you can kind of make up your own being that, that created it all to make you feel better and to, to handle it all. And, you know, some can see it as, you know, science and a cosmic accident. And others can see it as this intentional design by a creator. But really, either way, it's not, you know... You can create your own God, and then if you come up with a God and you've experienced any kind of pain, because I've, I've asked this question before, but is there anybody who has been able to get through life unscathed, un, untouched by pain at all? Uh, it's, to, to this moment, I've never met a person that has been able to go through life without pain, right? So then you have this moment of going through, well, is God good then? Because... If I go through all this pain, then where is God in the midst of that? And why didn't he stop it? And this, that, and the other thing. And I had a lot of those. A lot of those moments. But it was interesting because God didn't argue with me and all of these things. It just came back to Jesus. A real man. We have church services because of a man. That happened 2,000 years ago. We celebrate the... the single most important holiday Christmas season because of a man 2,000 years ago. I mean, half of our traditions, the things that we do, without even, whether we think about it or not, are 
centered around this man. The way we describe history, B.C., A.D., centers around this man. I mean, this is crazy to me, but I felt like God was like, you know, just good luck with that. Good luck trying to work your way around Christ, because at the end of the day, I can't deny that he was there. I can't deny that he's lived. So the only thing I have to argue with is whether or not he, raised, he rose from the grave. And I mean, the reality is lots of people have died before him claiming similar things that he claimed and didn't have nearly the impact that he's had. What made this man different was the fullness of his life. I love this story. This story, above all, because new happened with this story. A change of pace happened with this story. To me, this story is the ultimate evidence of God's investment in humanity. It is the ultimate proof and evidence of his care for you and for me personally. Not just your overarching your salvation and whether or not you make it to heaven, but your daily ins and outs, your ups and downs, when you're frustrated and discouraged and feel hopeless and despair, when you are at the peak of ecstasy and joy and the lowest of, of you know, hopelessness, he's in it. Do you worship a God that's in it? Do you know the God who happens to be in it? Is there a discrepancy in your understanding. So because there's these discrepancies and we each have them in our lives, I still struggle with them to this day. The, you know, these things that, I, I, that come out of me that I live out in my frustration, my anger, my insecurities, and all these things that have nothing to do with the person I want to be. So what ends up happening and what church ends up doing usually is we basically Sunday mornings become sin management classes, right? Especially around the new year right? You're going to get in shape. You're going to manage your crap. That's what you're going to do, right? You're going to be a better person. You got to be a better person. You got to stop being the stupid person that you were last year. That's what, that's what we got to do, right? And this whole idea becomes about sin management. But can I just say something? When I thought about and started praying through the year that we've had from the beginning, if you guys travel back with me to the beginning of last year, we started with a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that God had put on our heart as a church that centered on the connection between your emotional maturity and your spiritual maturity, that you can't be one without the other. You cannot be spiritually mature without developing your emotional state as well because they are interconnected. Where you are stuck in one, you are stuck in the other. So we started working through this, but the entire theme of the year, I believe with all of my heart, in my dad and my my heart have been to communicate the divorce from the good news to sin management. Did you know that the gospel, the good news was the good news was not sin management approaches? This may be a shocker for some of you. The good news was not about sin management. I'm going to ruffle some feathers this morning. Because some of you would prefer sin management. It's easier. Spank me a little, make me feel guilty, make me feel bad. I feel like I did something. I walk out of here and I go back to doing exactly what I was doing before. That really becomes the ideal sin management scenario. I lived it for for years. 
for years. It's only been more recently that God has begun to really shift my perspective. And I love this story for that very reason because it all started here for me. In my personal journey, my personal walk with God, it all started here in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 20. Because to me, this isn't a story that I read about along with Santa Claus and the need for Christmas spirit. This is a story that has revolutionized the human race. History was shaken up and changed forever as a result of this story. Forever changed. The part that I love the most, that I think is so cool, is suddenly these angels show up and start hanging out with these shepherds, and they say this in verse 14, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go to Bethlehem. Joy. Joy was what this moment was all about. Joy, this was a moment that described and showcased the joy of God. Did you know that God is the most joyful being in the universe? Jesus was an incredibly joyful being, even though he was a man associated with many sorrows, had more pain, had more injustice than any human that's ever lived, because to be perfect and to still experience the injustice that he's had, there have been a lot of people that have experienced injustice, but not one of them have been perfect. Only one that's been perfect so far. And yet, what I think is so interesting is, you know what was not, Jesus was not accused of? Being cold, boring, harsh, judgy, the way a lot of Christians are described. You know what he was accused of? Being a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of sinners. Now I'm not saying he was those things. He obviously was not. He obviously was not. But it was clear that Jesus knew how to hang out and have a good time. He hung out with the sinners. Honestly, if you want the best time, you hang out with the sinners. That's the real life. That's just, just throwing it out there. We sinners have a good time. <laughs> Jesus knew that this was where it was, a, where it was at. Now, Jesus obviously has never sinned, so I'm not saying or insinuating that he did in any way anything inappropriate. But what I think is so interesting is this was a man connected to joy, to celebration, to the ability to be with people in their brokenness, to love them well, to celebrate them well. And I think this is powerful because in this moment, what the angels do is they are worshiping. See, the overflow of a joy-filled life is worship. Where I kind of want to land today is where is your heart when it comes to worship? How do you define worship? Worship dis uh, defined uh, by the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible explains that worship is the expression of reverence and adoration of God. Did you know we all worship something? You can worship yourself. You can worship your things. You can worship relationships. You can worship sex. You can worship all kinds of things. 
Everybody, we were created to worship, so we will worship something. We all will. You worship relationships, it turns codependent, it gets really unhealthy, things go bad. You worship yourself, you turn really narcissistic, gets really ugly, things go bad. You worship your things, all of a sudden that's all that matters. You punch your kid for getting a scratch in your car, really bad, you lose your kid. This is a moment where we recognize that we worship something. Worship is an overflow of a heart of joy. You can experience worship as a part of living a joy-filled life. And to experience joy, we can use worship to get there. I was sitting last night and I was prepping this message and I was kind of just sitting and I've realized a lot of times for me, worship and, and worship in the form of singing, because let me make one thing clear, what worship was not defined as, worship and singing are not synonymous. Can we make that clear? Worship and singing are not synonymous. Worship is a heart posture. It's a mind posture. It's a focus point on God that isn't on us. We can sing songs all we want and still be thinking about ourselves. If you worship even just to get a feeling, you're really focused on you and not on worshiping at all. The whole point of worship is that it is focused outwardly. The Old Testament, the Israelites were so aware of this idea of worship that it was ingrained in everything they did. If you ever pray over a meal, Jesus was seen to pray over the Passover meal and the, and the things that they ate. It was, a mo- it was a moment of worship. It was thanking God for the, for the provision. They had festivals that were worship. They were there to, to remember. Prayer was worship. It is worship. The focusing on that moment. When I was walking in the, in, uh, in the hills yesterday in the snow, it's realization, this is what worship is all about. This is what it is. It's the overflow of a heart of joy. I sat there and I watched, and the snow created such depth and beauty. And in that moment, I was just in awe because all of a sudden you could see the contrast of, of where the light hit and, and where the mountains, it landed on the mountains and the beautiful colors that it created. And I just sat there and I was just like, whoa. All of a sudden, this very dry and ugly desert turned into something that was gorgeous overnight. Now, I love the desert, but I've started to see it differently because of what God has done in it. And I think this is the moment where it comes back to our worship. Worship is an overflow of a heart of joy, but also worship can cultivate joy. I love James says it this way, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I always hated this verse, if I'm really honest. I always hated this verse, because I always thought to myself, how stupid is that? Who has joy in moments when things are really hard? Very few of us. Why do we get in fistfights in the line at Walmart? Joy is not central to our frustration. We get angry at each other when, we're, when things get tough, when things get stretched thin. But I think this is incredible because what I'm beginning to realize when life is not, when the gospel is not about sin management, what it becomes about is Jesus. It becomes about relationship. The entire gospel is centered on relationship. If your life has, has just kind of honed down to sin management, 
You're robbed of the beauty and the essence of what relationship was all about, which was connection, it's intimacy, it's, it's camaraderie, companionship, it's, it's this deep connection with God. Jesus opened the door for this intimacy unlike has ever been seen before. Motivation changes. Yeah, we stop wanting to sin, but sin getting in the way and this hindrance stops being about wanting to, being motivated by fear, and now all of a sudden it's motivated by love. I am so in, intensely in love with this relationship with God. My life is so enhanced by being connected to him. My joy, I'm so much more aware of the beauty all around me rather than the problems that suddenly all I want is to be connected to him and anything that gets in the way of that screws that up. I don't want anything to get in the way of the connection that, I, that God has built with me, and I'm the one that's always wrong. If you've ever gotten in a fight with somebody that you are always the wrong one, that's always how it is with Jesus. It can be so frustrating. But in those moments, what we recognize is it is an overflow of a heart of joy. Your motivation shifts. Are you motivated by love? Are you motivated by this, this love story, this beautiful moment in relationship with Jesus, are you still motivated by fear? Are you still motivated by obligation? Does obligation motivate you? Because it never lasts very long. It's just like being obligated to go to the gym. How many of you make a monthly donation to a gym? Right? We laugh because it's true. We know we make a monthly donation to a gym that we don't attend. We maybe did for a month, meaning we went once that month. And then that's it. Why? Because we, are not, we cannot be in the long term motivated by fear or by guilt or by obligation. We can't. You always hit a point where you're just kind of like, meh, it is what it is. So be it. Right? We always hit that point. Motivation by love all of a sudden changes the entire game. I spend time with God not out of some obligation, but because my life is enhanced, it is better when I do. My focus is shifted. Suddenly, the negative things aren't quite so negative. I start to see the beauty of God all around me in his creation. I start to see it in, a, in an incredible conversation where he is central. I start to see it in the moments where I'm driving home and I get to see it, and maybe I'm stuck in traffic, but there's a gorgeous sunset right there. I start to see it in the laughter of a beautiful child. I start to see it all around me when I listen to a pretty song or when I hear a, a, a beautiful piece of, of poetry or watch a film that moves me, I see beauty all around me. My heart is filled with joy. Is your heart filled with joy? Does it cause you to worship? See, moments like these open up opportunity for worship. I love that our perspective can be so shifted that in the moments when we have two realities going all the time, it's the kingdom reality and what we think is as the real reality, which is our circumstances, we can get to the place where we are so locked in with God that we begin to see things through the kingdom reality and that becomes more real to us than our temporary circumstances that are happening right now. Paul and Silas were able to do this. Paul was able to do this um, in Acts. I want to read this real quick, and we're going to close out, get ready to close. But this is something that I think is so interesting. So Paul and Silas, uh, just, they just healed a demon-possessed woman. And the crowd gets angry because a guy was using it. She was able to, to use that to, as a fortune-telling device. 
And so the guy was profiting. There was a man that was profiting off of it. He was pimping her out, basically, for her, her fortune-telling abilities. And they come and they uh, heal her, and a mob quickly shows up. And this is what happens in verse 22. This is what it says. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the dungeon and to the inner dungeon and, cl- and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared that, the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. The next morning, the city officials sent the police to tell the jailer, let, them, let the men go. So the jailer told Paul, the city officials have said to you and Silas, are free, go in peace, You're free to leave. Something that's so interesting is getting to the moment when our reality becomes so kingdom-centered that in the middle of a jail cell, we're able to sing and to worship. How many of us emotionally find ourselves in a jail cell today? One of depression or anxiety, of hurt and of loss? Could it be that worship, whether it's through prayer or singing, through scripture reading and meditation, silence and solitude, aloneness with God? What if worship is the key to our freedom, to our joy? That in the midst of your circumstances, joy can be part of your story. It can lead your story. See, for me, this has been the craziest shift in my perspective we have been inundated our minds have been so locked into that all of this is about work and effort and guilt and shaming and frustration but all of that's centered around fear and control the moment we give that up what are we left with we don't know how to motivate ourselves or people because the idea that we could be motivated by love by an overwhelming sense that we are so connected to god that i don't want anything to get in the way completely befuddles us. God is interested in nothing more than intimacy with you. You realize that in allowing God into our innermost lives, we don't have to celebrate separate from God. You don't have to bring God to church and then leave him at home when you go out because then worship or the celebration it takes a, a different turn. Celebration and, and really living has to look like overindulgence, cheap hookups, 
altering our, our state of mind and inability to really be present, we invite God into it and suddenly we can celebrate and be fully there. Leave and go home, no guilt. Free to have joy, free to experience life, free. This morning the gift is this idea of joy being a reality for our lives. When God becomes personal to us, suddenly the kingdom reality becomes more real than our circumstantial reality. Worship becomes an overflow of our hearts. The reason it was so important for them to point to the fact that Jesus was in the lineage of David was because God made a pact, a covenant with David. Want to know why? Because he was considered a man after God's own heart. He was a worshiper. He was a worshiper. Oh, that this year we would be a people of worship. Not just good singers. What you do as we sing is really up to you. You center in on God. You focus your attention on him. How you do that, totally up to you. You're worshiping as long as that's your focus. But I pray this year that this would be a year defined by joy. That when your circumstances get rough, you would see king through the kingdom lens rather than just your circumstantial lens. And when you feel tempted, we don't just go about sin management and looking to change ourselves and beat ourselves up when we, you know, eat too many cookies, overindulge when we aren't the person we want to be, but that we would use it as a moment to motivate ourselves back to the feet of Jesus, to accept grace and forgiveness all over again, to wake up and to fight for closeness and connection on a deeper level today than we had yesterday. Are you more intimate with God than you were last week, last month, last year? If you looked at January, has your relationship with God shifted at all? Has it developed at all? My prayer is that it has. But if it hasn't, you can start now. Because the freedom comes in with the good news, and the good news is this. Jesus. That's it. If yours is a gospel of sin management, it's not going to last very long. You'll approach it like you have every other goal, life change that you've experienced. As the worship team comes and we get ready to close, we're going to sing as a form of worship. But did you realize that everything, knowing and understanding we are spiritual beings, everything becomes a form of worship when we are present and aware of God in the moment? Everything becomes an act of worship. A seemingly meaningless conversation, a moment in a jail cell, becomes an act of worship. A conversation, a drink, hanging out with friends can become an act of worship, a moment of worship. Conversation with God is a moment of worship, but a hike where you are alone and talking to no one can become a moment of worship. A long drive becomes a moment of worship. Everything we do becomes worship when we become aware of the kingdom that is all around us. You are not just invited into sin management that leads to the saving of your soul so that one day you can live a life or have a life that is better than the one you have now. You are invited into kingdom life now. Joy now. God never promises to remove us of our circumstances or to fix all the problems that go on in the world. 
In order to do that, it would have to bring about the kingdom now, the renewal of all things. And Jesus promised he will come back and he will do exactly that. But until then, we do not have to wait for joy. Joy does not have to evade our lives until that moment. Joy starts now. As we approach and shift our thinking, y'all, this is going to be a year of changing the way we approach God from this sin manager to God who is intimately interested in your passions and your fears in your hurts and your losses, in your celebrations, your dreams. I do not serve a God who is just interested in keeping rules. I would have let go of that God a long time ago because when my stuff got the worst, God came in the closest. That's how I know he's not interested in just our behavior modification are bettering ourselves. Let this new year, as you start working on your uh, New Year's resolutions, maybe we focus on behaviors second and start focusing on our motivations first. And we pray together this morning. I want to pray for you that our hearts would be motivated by love. Love for a relationship with God, for intimacy and connection with God. If that scares you, that's okay. Good thing is, is God is a gentleman. He will never force his way into your life, into your story, into intimacy and connection. He will be invited. But I'm telling you from my own experience, I have a lot of growing to do, a lot of learning to do, but I can tell you this has changed my life and continues to daily. Even prepping messages looks different because uh, when I served a God that felt distant and ready to punish at any, at any turn, suddenly there was always pressure to perform. You, had to, you have to perform as a Christian. You have to perform to be the best version of yourself. And if you don't, then you're gonna, God's going to take the good things, the blessings out of your life. And you've always got to be prepared for that. But then you keep messing up because you can't help it at times. And you can at others. You still mess up. And there's such a joy and a freedom in last night getting to sit with God and realize there, this isn't about, oh, woe is me and terrible. I'm such a horrible, unworthy person, God. What? Present a message. Give me what I need. And da-da-da-da-da. Felt like it was a moment where God was like, we enjoy this together. Intimacy, connection, just time together. We're just going to hang out. And I put worship on and I just sat in my room. Got to just be with God and get excited about this morning because I believe that God offers joy to you as we kick off this new year. We're gonna sing, but before we do, can we pray? If you would close your eyes and bow your head, if you need, we end this series on joy, if you need some joy this morning, no one looking around, can you just raise your hand real quick? I'm gonna pray for you. You could use some joy this morning. Bible says we, we do not have because we do not ask. If you need some joy this morning, raise your hand. I'm going to pray. God, I pray this morning that as we kick off a brand new year, that we would recognize that it is not just about managing our goodness and our badness and trying to balance those things out. This morning, you are inviting us 
into intimacy the entire purpose of, of what took place with Jesus and this story that we read that we become so numb to, so disconnected from, we know, yeah, 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 with the shepherds and, and there's some wise men somewhere in there and all of this, but it loses its connection to our current day experiences where we struggle financially, where we struggle relationally, where we struggle with, with shame, with guilt, with fear, with all kinds of things, God, where our circumstances seem to be so real. Father, I pray that this morning that we would engage you and experience you, that you would reveal yourself to us as the God who sent his son, the ultimate sacrifice to show your investment in humanity, that you are not just interested in fixing us, you are interested in loving us, you are interested in engaging us, in relating with us, in doing life with us. Father, this morning, I pray that you would flood this room with your joy as we become aware of your presence, as we become aware of kingdom life, as we become aware of the love that you offer us through Jesus. God, I thank you that this was not a, just an interesting story, but that this is historical, that this is a moment that, and in time that has taken place that has altered the course of history forever. I thank you that this morning we sit in this room as a result of what you have done, Jesus. I pray as we kick off this year that you would shift our motivations and our, that our behaviors would follow, that we wouldn't just focus on changing what we do, but how we see. God, I pray that people in this room's relationships with you would be characterized by its intimacy, by its depth, by its personal nature, rather than by how good we are, how many times we attend a service. Let us experience real life in you, starting now. I pray that we would experience heaven coming to earth, starting now. That we would be transformed, starting now. For those who will raise their hands, God, I pray that you would just give them an extra dose of your joy, of your love, your presence this morning. Lead us and guide us. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. And we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you would, go ahead and stand with us. We're going to close in a song. Can I encourage you, use this time to reflect. Where is your heart of worship? And what is God doing in your story as we kick off a brand new year? Let's sing as we close. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you for joining us, church. Have a great New Year's, and we'll see you next Sunday.